to Road Muscle Radio, Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news, the greatest views, and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, a freelance automotive journalist, auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, and owner of a sweet 1960 Corvette and a smoking 61 Impala, Brett Hatfield, and 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road Muscle Radio is on the air. It's another edition of Road Muscle Radio. Welcome back. I'm Catfish Groves along with Brett Hatfield. We're two dudes who we really like to talk about cars. Uh, apparently a little too much because we do it for at least an hour a week and try to get other people to listen to us. <laughs> Absolutely. And we've got such cool stuff coming up today. Check this out. Uh, we're going to talk about swipe and write for your next car, how a Tesla seems to really love the 80s. Uh, you remember last week. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get on that. Uh, a book to park in your library that will only cost you six figures plus jack wallace dude you hooked us up jack wallace owner of vintage vets in kansas city i i believe you and he are gonna you know take us to school on how to purchase you're and gonna invest have in vets you're gonna have to keep me from getting too deep into the weeds here because <laughs> you, your eyes are just like sparkling vets that's uh, now we're in my wheelhouse baby yeah you, you may not you may regret having opened this particular can of worms but Jack's going to be fun to talk to. He's going to tell us a little bit about uh, what's cool and what's not and what you need to be looking for, what you should buy, and what you may want to just hang on to. And maybe what he's got at Vintage Vets. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I already found a couple things. I had to be forcefully pulled from the website. Dude, I don't want to go. And, and we'll wrap it all up with Exit Lane Live, where we'll give you fun places to park in spaces. So right now, I, I, dude, we're so action-packed. Let's get to it. Get your brain in gear for what's going on. Time for What's News on Road Muscle Radio. All right, I got to start this thing off because uh, this just this cracks me up. Uh, Ferrari, you're going to be proud. Look, I'm talking about, I'm, I said the word Ferrari. Yes, the As F a word. starter, yeah, the F word, uh, because it's usually just old bomber. Uh, you can buy a new coffee table book from Ferrari. Oh, cool. I like books. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be a lovely read, beautiful thing. Exclusive retrospective book. Only 1,947 are going to be produced, and it's, which 1947, the year Ferrari was founded. Yes. So, you know, happy birthday. 514 pages. It's 12.7 inches by 17 inches. So coffee it's, table book. Yeah. And at 514 pages, that's a coffee table tone. Yeah, that's, that's... That's a big Mahama Mama. Now, if you go for one, they're, they're going to have 250 art edition copies where you'll get a steel and chrome book stand. This sounds expensive. <laughs> the book comes in an aluminum display case. And oh, when you put the two together, they they kind of look like a Ferrari 12-cylinder engine. Oh, cool. Oh, it's pretty awesome. But for the same price, you could buy this book, dude. You could get maybe a new Camaro or, or a, a Challenger or a new Mustang. It's $30,000. <laughs> It's 30 G's. 30 G's for the special, super special 250 collector books. Any but, chance I can get it on Amazon, you know, on a oh. Kindle? <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> I wonder how much the digital editions are. I, I'm, uh, I'm hoping I can get it down, you know, 12, 15 bucks. Well, you know, let, let's get it into all, our ballpark. If you go for one of the other 1,697 copies, no book stand, no special Lewin display case, that's only $6,000. <laughs> 
I and know, right? Last I checked, the cars we've been looking for for you didn't cross that line. That's why I don't say the F word that often, dude, because it's oh, a, good a Ferrari's a little out of my range. What you got cooking? Uh, you know, we've been thinking and, and talking between us about uh, some of the things that are coming down the pike in new cars. Uh, self-driving cars, yeah, yeah. which, you know. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know what driving's all about. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. And, and we're hoping that those don't show up as soon as you think they will because we kind of like cars the way they are. Uh, call us old. <laughs> An editorial piece in Automotive, automotive News uh, this week is talking about the reasons that self-driving cars may be a little farther off than we think. And the first of which is, manufacturers are having trouble finding the market for them. And secondly, they haven't figured out how to make them profitable. Yeah. And last we checked, car manufacturers won't make something if they can't find a nickel in it. Look at Ford and the way they canceled half of their their uh, product line and got it down to just a couple front-wheel drive cars and everything else is a truck-based platform. Here's one of the interesting – I think I read uh, something akin to that. It wasn't an editorial but as the the self-driving cars, as they're trying to kind of push them forward, the millennials are more the ones that are interested in it. But the thing is, you still got you got a price line. And if they get a taste, you know, if we if we teach them right, yeah. if we teach them kids right, we give them a taste of what's behind the wheel with your foot on the pedal and all that and shifting and stuff. We'll take you out and learn you yeah, up we'll good. We'll learn you up good. Then uh, they'll get a taste for for driving itself and for the real experience well, and, of it. And that's what they're saying is they're having trouble finding the market for it. There's not a demand. So it sounds like it's possible that manufacturers have been chasing the technology for technology's sake rather than chasing the market that is or isn't there. Well, the self uh, the self driving cars, I can see like certain uses. There was another article that came out um, from a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Wago that's working with uh, Walmart, and yep. they are they had a pilot program going in California, and they're getting ready to expand it. Where you can you can uh, get online, do your Walmart order, and then if you need to, you can get one of these self driving cars to come get you. And they'll take you to Walmart, pick in up your groceries, and, and, your yeah, yeah, and drive you right back. Which, <laughs> I got to admit, okay, that's a little cool. Imagine your pizza isn't delivered to you. You're delivered to your pizza and taken back. I, ah! Well, this kind of gets back to it now. I'm sure everybody has seen and heard or read somewhere uh, about Amazon talking about using drones for delivery, which in essence becomes skeet shooting with prizes. <laughs> uh, the other thing that the article mentioned <laughs> – so wrong, but so right. Uh, other thing the article mentioned, uh, they were talking about uh, pure electric cars and hybrid cars uh, having uh, – the manufacturer is going to have trouble building tons of them because, one, the hybrid cars with the batteries, there's a finite quantity of lithium on the pro- planet, and that's one of the primary ingredients in the batteries they're using for them, and the electrical grid not being able to support yeah. all electric cars. So we're not done with the internal combustion engine just yet. And we're not done driving our own cars just yet, which fine with me. Still I'm like, good. Still I'm like good. the smell of exhaust. <laughs> so, well, the uh, the last two stories that we got here, uh, Cars.com is launching a matchmaking service. Oh, kind, kind of a swipeish, rightish. It's an app. You can do it on the website. It uses artificial intelligence. You fill out a questionnaire on fifteen different lifestyle preferences. 
And then it starts with a recommendation of up to 20 vehicles because, you know, there's like 40 manufacturers and there's hundreds of models. And then you get into all the different things, the gadgets, and you're into thousands. It really is kind of overwhelming. I kind of like this idea. When you like or don't like a vehicle, it starts narrowing it down even well, more. And the other thing is, especially for people who don't know tons about cars and yeah. every model, this might help you find stuff that you didn't know about before. The question becomes, how long before they combine the two and your date shows up on a car you like? <laughs> you know, I'm down with that. <laughs> and then last but not least, Tesla is going to give us the Night Rider. Oh. They've got, you know, they've got artificial intelligence that goes into the Tesla vehicles. So Elon Musk is liking it, the AI2 kit, KITT, the Night Industries 2000 computer in that 82 Pontiac Fiber Trans Am TV's Night Rider. He's even going so far as to design his own AI chip that he's going to put in there. He wants to get rid of all the buttons, bring all the controls inside the car to the steering wheel and that center touchscreen. So, you know, you can just say, all right, car, start. Oh. And off it goes. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's it's really, it's sci-fi. I mean, it's Star Trek. Next, he's going to have us beaming into his Tesla up in space. But, uh, you know. I, I bring one story saying, no, we're going to get away from self-driving. And then you bring and one. And then I screw out. it all up. I dash your hopes. That's what oh, I'm here for. man. <laughs> well, we'll get back on the bright side because Jack Wallace is coming up next. Owner of Vintage Vets in Kansas City. We're going to talk vets. Up next on Road Muscle Radio. Welcome back to Road Muscle Radio. I am Brett Hatfield. I'm here with my co-host, Catfish Groves. Woo! And the, tonight we've got a great guest for you. His name is Jack Wallace. He owns Vintage Vets KC. Oh. And he is going to be our evening's Corvette guru. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome tonight. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're pleased you're here. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Jack, you've been in this business a long time. I've been leering outside your dealership for years and years. You know, your guys only have to run me off about three times a week. And <laughs> I want to know, and I'm sure everybody else does, how did you get into this business? Well, as any uh, red-blooded uh, American male was, you grew up in high school uh, lusting after the cars you never could afford. It was always the rich kid that was driving the sharp Nova or the Impala or the souped-up Mustang, but I had my eye on a Corvette, and after I got out of my quick tour in Vietnam in 1970 and 71, I felt like I needed to treat myself special in some way, so with a few dollars in my pocket and back from uh, overseas, I grabbed the newspaper and started looking for a Corvette. There was a 67 Corvette, Goodwood Green in the paper right in Des Moines, Iowa, and I ran out and took a look at it and says, I'll take it. So that's where the passion started is back in uh, July of uh, 1971. I bought my first Corvette Stingray. That was kind of your gift to yourself for making it. Yep. Everybody figure, figures you, you put yourself through quite an ordeal for a full year, so you wanted to treat yourself extra special for what you endured. You know, my uncle, uh, my uncle Dave did that. He was one of the people that uh, actually cheered me on to be a writer. He was, he became an English teacher, but that was the first thing he did. He got back from Vietnam and bought a 71 stingray. And it, that thing was like riding on top of a brick. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. It was beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> I yeah, love that, that car. That was, that was quite an innovation too. When the C3s came along 
everybody had their nose pressed up against the showroom window at night to get a glimpse of the change between a 67 and a 68. It was dramatic. Absolutely. And, uh, everybody had to have the shark car with the big, long nose and the very pointy end on it. So that was, uh, that was the, the Corvette everybody lusted after for a long time. And after that 67 set the hook, you felt, how did you get into owning a Corvette dealership? Well, I, uh, I had a pretty successful other business that I, that it was going well enough that I could, I could leave in the hands of somebody else. And, uh, I, I just decided to go out and buy a, a couple Corvettes and that just took off from there. And tell us about Vintage Vets now. Yeah. Well, between when I started it and I had just two or three cars in, in stock right now, I've got a, uh, a 50,000 square foot uh, warehouse in North Kansas city. Humana, and, uh, <laughs> and it is, it is full of both cars and a shop. I, I'm able to work on not only our cars, but customer cars, uh, can do light restorations and all the way to a full body off restoration if, if need be. But, um, at, at my age now, I don't want to take on any of those long projects that take so much time and money to do, but I like to uh, buy the cars, uh, do a few things to them, make them a little better, and uh, make them available to the public and, and price them accordingly. So I go through uh, 100, maybe 120 cars a year, and uh, I'm constantly on the look for them and go out on buying trips, and they, they come from a variety of sources. Now, how many do you have on your showroom floor usually? How many cars, if I went up there and wanted to drool on something and then have to, of course, wipe it off, what am I looking at? You might uh, see 35 Corvettes <laughs> and, uh, and 10 maybe other cars, what we call classics, classic cars. And I, I mostly stay in GM. I, I like Chevrolet, uh, Pontiac, Oldsmobile. Um, uh, so lots of Monzas and Corvairs, right? Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting that I got back from Vietnam and bought this '67 Corvette, and my dad quickly pronounced, "You're not driving that in the wintertime, son." <laughs> bought me bought me a '62 Corvair convertible, and that's what my uh, that was my, your winter car. <laughs> yeah, that was my winter car Thanks, exactly. I put the other car away. Uh, you know, those aren't very good in the snow. I put that away and drove this. Uh, uh, Corvair convertible, and it was actually a pretty sporty. It was a red four-speed as well. So my fiance and I had a good time driving that thing. So we nice. put that away and had that for for a winter car. Now, I want to go uh, a little bit different direction with you. And Mark, this is when you get a referee. Uh, I'm here with my whistle and also my pencil because I want to learn. Okay, uh, I've I've owned a '60 Corvette for 30 years. And have also had a handful of others, uh, 70, 74, 77, a couple of uh, fourth gen. And I want to talk a little bit about what's a good investment right now, what's already fully priced, what's got great upside potential, and anything else you can think of. So start, first of all, what do you see for first gen Corvettes? Where are they going? What are they going to do? Well, first generation Corvettes is what he's talking about is the 1953 uh, through the 1962. That's the early body style cars, and uh, honestly, they look a lot better than they drive. Everybody, they're so recognizable, and everybody oohs and ahs over 
uh, a car with white coves on the side, and they're so sporty and flashy. Yeah, they're sexy. They're they're very very sexy. Once you spend about fifteen to twenty minutes in one, though, you're you're reaching for the door handle because they're not yes, all that comfortable. No, I remember not. my dating life before I was married. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're describing half of my life right there. They but, but they but, look but, so but good. Comfort comfort has a lot to do with your age. You know, yeah. if you're uh, if you're thirty to fifty. 50 years old, you can put up with a lot more than some of us who are in our 60s or 70s, and all of a sudden, those cars aren't comfortable enough for us. We want something with more creature features, we call them. And, uh, but those, are, those, are, those have been a strong uh, storehouse of investment for a long period of time. Um, uh, six, six, 58 to 1960s, what do we call the roundback cars, are, are still popular, and they, and they, they run from anywhere from... Uh, $50,000 to $100,000. To get over $100,000, it must be a very special car in some dramatic way. Either earn some certifications or had a, a extensive body off restoration. So that's kind of where they, they lie. But those are good sellers for us. I'm always looking for a, a beautiful 1958. It's unique in a lot of different ways. Now, second generation, the mid-year cars ran from 63 to 67, and that was the first iteration of the Stingray. Uh, it, most people, uh, most everybody who knows what Corvettes are knows about 63 split windows. What looks like a good investment in those right now? Well, there's a lot of things to be said about a mid-year. You know, sexy is the hideaway headlights that, you know, uh, roll up and, and then then stay hidden for a while. And But, a, of course, that the name Stingray stuck to it in 1963. Bill Mitchell labeled those Stingrays, and that stuck around for an awful long time. And uh, the, the engine options were amazing. It was the first big block Corvettes, the first power that com- would literally burn the tires off a Corvette. These early cars weren't all that power- powerful. Yeah, what were the but, engines that were in those earlier ones versus uh, how, did, how did the engine sizes and horsepower uh, progress? Well, of course, the first, the very early cars were all six cylinders, and <laughs> and you couldn't get the tires turning on those if you got stuck on sand, you know, on, on <laughs> pavement. It's, it's, but they are just a beautiful thing to look at, and they, they're still. When I drive a '54 around, nobody really knows what what the car is. I get asked all the time, "What is that?" You know, it, they guess is it a Jaguar? Is it a BMW? I says, "No, this is an early Corvette." Well, it's due to the the rarity of one being out on the road is why people don't recognize them anymore. But they're neat cars. They're a lot of fun. Uh, they're very expensive to restore. Don't try yeah. to restore one at all. Buy a, buy the car, finish and enjoy it, and, and then buy something else. But the sixty, <laughs> the, the nineteen sixty two is the is the last uh, uh, is the first three twenty seven year. The other ones were two eighty threes and all back and all great engines. But the sixty two is a milestone, last of a year. And that one's highly collectible as well. Fuel-injected cars are um, something everybody thinks they want, but they they take a lot of maintenance to keep them running. They take regular use if you're going to uh, not be stuck alongside of the road. Hard to buy good fuel for them. It absolutely is. Also, uh, in the mid-years, you started to see the first big blocks and real power with those cars. Uh, absolutely. What they start with? 65. The tor- the torque was amazing. Size. 1965 was a 396 with a, with a whopping 425 horsepower. And, boy, you ever had to go up against one of those on the street, seldom would you even 
saw anything besides four taillights. They were just <laughs> absolute monsters. And then next year, of course, 66, they had the 427, and it was rated, too, at 425 horse. But they also offered a, a tamer hydraulic version, which was a 390 horse car. And a lot of people opted for that. It wasn't quite as powerful, but you still had a big bulge in your hood that everybody knew that you meant business when you're driving a big blocks 66 Corvette. And who could forget a 67 Stinger hood car? You know, that's what everybody wants is that different painted, uh, distinctive Stinger hood. Um, I've, I've guessed in my 30 years of doing this, I've put uh, 10 or 15 uh, big block 67 hoods on non-big block cars because everybody <laughs> wanted that look. You know, they wanted it, that to be so recognizable to have your that stinger paint on the hood. So you're telling me the the lower horsepowered one was how many horsepower? Well, 65 was a lot, lot of different engine options. But the, the low horsepower in the 327 was 250 horsepower in 1965. But you hit and up I, to that 390. That's the low horsepower big block. Yeah, that's the low horsepower oh big block. You, know, the only, you only had two horsepowers, a 390 and a 425 horse. And that's what's pushing around this big piece of plastic with tires. But wait that's a second. fantastic. Yeah. But in yeah, 67. That was six inches of rubber on the road was all you had. <laughs> a little skinny bias ply. Good but wait a second. He's getting to the good stuff. Uh, oh, we got to save it. We're going to get into the mid-60s Corvettes and start talking real power and some real crazy. That's up next on Road Muscle Radio. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. I'm Mark Catfish Groves, along with Brett Hatfield. Brett's a freelance auto journalist. He's an auto auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine. Writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. Stop by, check it out. There's new stuff almost every day. Also, you, you've got a sweet 1960 Corvette, which we're happy to talk about today. And me, I've been in radio for 30-plus years, and I just love big, fat American cars. We're talking right now with Jack Wallace. He's the owner of Vintage Vets in Kansas City. Major store. If you if you love vets, this is this is your mecca. All right. Absolutely. You gotta get a look at it, all the stuff that Jack has, and he's always got new stuff coming in. It sounds like he's got new stuff I'm gonna have to go drool on this weekend. <laughs> yeah, he's been singing your song. No kidding. Hey Jack, we were talking about mid year big blocks when we went away. Uh you didn't quite get around to the four thirty five and we also need to tell Mark about the L eighty eight because you're gonna blow his mind. Uh oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bring it on. Well, Everybody knows the last year, if you're on these at any time at all, the last year for the uh, mid-year Corvette was 1967. It was a pinnacle year where they uh, introduced three-deuce carburetors. Oh, triple-deuce. That, that sexy rectangular air cleaner that sat on top of three carburetors that everybody knew they were in trouble if they ever <laughs> went up against the street on that thing. They offered two horsepowers in... Uh, that version of look, they offered a hydraulic 400 horsepower, but then they also offered the uh, uh, solid lifter, uh, high lift cam, um, 435 car. That car was a mind-blowing 435 horse that they underrated. It really was maybe pushing out as much as uh, 460, maybe 470 horsepower. Good Lord! It was a beast. 
I happen to have one of those. It's my own prize car that uh, nobody's able to get that away from me. But it is a <laughs> it is a beautiful, beautiful car, and the um, the power that car has is for that day is 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 mind blowing. How quick the car would accelerate, and how easy it is for you really to lose control of the car. And you can understand why very few of them survived because it was so so hard to control. 450 horses at the wheel on uh, six inches of bias ply tires, like we talked about. Now, one of the few so things that was a neat car. One of the few things I even remotely kind of almost know about a '67 specifically is wasn't there a split window version? And no, '63. That was '63. One year only. See, one, yep, one year only. One year only. That's what makes them so covenant right now. That uh, if you talk about the hardest fastest moving car as far as price and value it's got to be a 63 split window i mean i when i started doing this you could buy a pretty good split window for uh 18 to twenty-two thousand dollars. now you better have a hundred thousand dollars to buy anything you're going to be proud of because they <laughs> just went crazy and the good ones are 175 maybe uh, uh two hundred thousand dollars for a nice nice fuel injected certified car they just have exploded in the market so i probably shouldn't go after that 1967 corvette with a split window i just saw online i'm gonna have to delete that, that url <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that a lot how they used to ride around in a 63 split window 427 car and going, well, whatever you've exposed yeah. your knowledge <laughs> yeah i feel stupid but i'm getting smarter <laughs> Now, one thing I wanted you to tell Mark about, or tell Catfish about, and these are really rare. There's not but a handful out there. But in 67, they offered another 427 that very, very few people have seen. Yeah, they built they built this car, and really, they they didn't want the public to buy this car. They, they just wanted it to be uh, a drag race car. It didn't go very good in, in around curves, but... Straight away, it just couldn't be beat. It was uh, called the L88 was the uh, nomenclature for it, and uh, that meant you had a 427 with aluminum heads and a single carburetor that was pushing out over 500 horsepower. And these cars uh, only came one way. That was no heater, no radio, and you had to burn the best gas, 110 octane gas in it. And those went right from the dealership right directly to the drag strip, and there was nobody could beat that car in 67. They only made 20 of them, and today I, I don't think we know where any more than, uh, than 10, maybe 12 of them are. The rest of them have been uh, destroyed. And they are all wow. seven-figure cars. They're all seven-figure cars, guaranteed, every one of them. The highest price I saw one sell what, two years ago was $3.7 million dollars before commission was that the so red is that the red coupe that has no that, miles on it yeah that's the red coupe exactly i saw that at bloomington a few years back yeah that's uh that's a pretty well-known car and my my uh deceased friend buddy heron also owned one of the convertibles it's uh bloomington gold and hall of fame and everything else and i watched that car sell uh when he was uh near the end of his life for uh 2.7 million dollars and he was he was happy with that, and they're just very, very special cars that uh, seldom seen or uh, or driven. But they're they're a neat part of Corvette history. And they made an L eighty eight and sixty eight and sixty nine as well. And and those cars right now 
whether it's a Cooper or a convertible, or selling for in the five to seven hundred fifty thousand dollar range. I'm looking at. Uh, I, I did some real quick googling because I'm like, wait a minute, that is awesome. And on Haggerty.com, they're talking about how the uh, some of the the actual outputs because uh, the engine at, at 4600 RPM was doing really good, and that's below its peak RPM. Uh, they think that the actual figure might be over 500 horsepower and closer to 600 when it's in like the full race. Oh my God, trim. Exactly. That well, is insane and you awesome. Had be, you had to be careful what you revealed to the government what it was because <laughs> they, they they were very concerned with the horsepower race and I can't understand if they were concerned now what are they thinking today? You know when they when they see what a uh, a demon is putting out or some of the new Corvettes they're talking about having these be 900 horsepower when they leave wow. the, the plant. I mean that's to me, to me I, I just can't hardly believe that. For a production They're vehicle, that's insane and awesome. It's a great time to be a car <laughs> it's, guy. It's good to be alive. <laughs> now, now, there at, you go. now, in 68, they came out with a completely revamped body. The underpinnings were much the same, but the interior was different, and the body was different, overhang different. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Shark Body Corvettes. Well, they were they were very in, innovative. They were modeled after Mako Shark that was a concept car in the early 60s. Everybody wanted to see those high, pointy fenders and and sloping towards a, a nose and a, and a chopped-off back end and sitting further back. And I, I can't tell you how many of those cars had small garage accidents. Literally, there's three feet beyond what you can see when you're pulling into a garage or a parking space, and, oh. you, and, you, and you always are tapping that. So, But <laughs> when that came out in 68, uh, it was very popular. They extended the run in, into 69, and actually the 68 is, has a little bit of a black eye and always has had that it's was a kind of a rushed car, was put into production quickly, and there was a lot of engineering things that weren't quite worked out, but they got those right in 69, and that's a much, much better car in 69 than it was in 68. Yes, it was. It certainly was. I've owned a few of those Shark Body Vets, uh, Catfish. Those Those things, are so pretty. And they are a blast to drive. Now, is that the one, the, the Mako? Is, yeah. is that yeah. right? Okay, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and Jack's absolutely right. You can't see squat past the front fenders. Yeah, yeah, you can't see <laughs> You, you you want to stop short if you're going to keep from hitting something. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, you never pull up as far as you think you can because you're closer than you know. Um, Jack, what do you see as being a good investment in shark body vets? Um, I think by buying maybe a uh, an LT one. You know, the LT ones are are very nice. Everybody that's studies this a little bit old knows that 1970 was pretty much a peak horsepower year yeah so and it was also strike shortened too they didn't make very many cars in 1970 so if you can buy a a 454 which has 390 horsepower in 1970 and get a car that is loaded with air conditioning steering brakes and windows and get a in a desirable color uh, i think you right there you've bought a uh, forty to fifty thousand dollar car now, and I think in five years you could have yourself a ninety thousand dollar car pretty easily. And for those who yeah. don't know, the LT one high horsepower uh, small block three fifty car. Yes, solid lifter car. They made them nineteen seventy, seventy one, and seventy two. Each year, the the horsepower though diminished substantially. So if you 
want an LT1, it's best to go out and buy yourself a 1970 model. Now, after the the Shark Body Corvettes, which ran from 68 to 82, and we saw horsepower drop off, and they got kind of fatter, heavier, uh, in 84, because there was no production year in 83, the fourth-gen Corvettes came out. What would be your favorite picks for investments there? <laughs> well, I wouldn't tag the word investments with those that generation of car. I think you got to go all the way up to a C4 to maybe a, a 1996. Uh, buy one of the nice Grand Sports. Those had special engines put in them, and the true Grand Sports were the blue cars that, with uh, uh, a red hash across the fender. Those cars are still... Uh, holding their value very well. So uh, if you want to learn more, uh, www.vintagevetsllc.com. Go there. That's the drool place, right? Yes, it is. Vintagevetsllc.com. They usually have around 30 to 40 vets on sale, on the floor, ready to go. Stop on by and do say hi. Jack Wallace of Vintage Vets. Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Come see me. I'll put you in the right car. I'll help you pick out which car is best for you. Jack, thanks a ton for coming on the show. We'll have to have you back and get deeper into this. You ask me anytime. I I got a lot of other secrets I can share. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. All righty. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Up next, we'll tell you about where to park your new vet that you get from Vintage Vets in Exit Lane Live here on Road Muscle Radio. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves, Brett Hatfield. Jack Wallace knows his vets, dude. He, he really does. And that guy is just a blast to talk to, especially if you ate up with Corvettes a little bit. Uh, Jack is just a font of information. He made me a little hungry. I, I need to stop by. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. Throw you in the Impaler. We'll go down there. <laughs> we'll go down there soon. Yeah. Because uh, you're going to be out of town this weekend. Well, yeah, I'll be out. Well, I'm going to be out of town for a week uh, up in the mountains, and then after I get back, you're out of town at uh, you know oh, yeah. heaven's door I'm, to uh, vehicles. I, I'm making my. This is my uh, Hodge to Monterey. <laughs> uh, I you know the more I've read about that, I, I'm still trying to figure out just how big this monster is. So uh, and. I was thinking about how I would explain it to you earlier today, and the only thing I can liken it to is it's a little like skydiving. You can't explain that to somebody who hasn't done it. But once you've done it, man, it you you completely understand. And they both make you poop your pants the first time you do it. Okay, uh, I'm down. I got you. <laughs> Let's check out what's going on in town. Get it on the schedule for getting on the road. Check out these car events across Kansas City in Exit Lane Live. All right, we've got lots of stuff coming up. Yeah. Uh, in August 24th to 25th in McCluth, Kansas, the Vintage Invasion Car Show Swap Meet and Vintage Camper Rally. Camper Rally. Camper Rally. Vintage campers. Where else are you going to see That's them? That's cool. Uh, uh, 2018-700 South Home Street. Uh, swap Meet and Vendors Saturday only. Camping available on Friday night at a camper rally. Uh, live music, good food. 
cold beer, they say. Win, win, and win. Got a triple hat, hey, hat trick there. Uh, www.rustymetalproductions.com. You know, the Rusty Metal Productions, I've been seeing that on a number of the, uh, as I've been looking for cool stuff to go to, uh, events that are around town, uh, whether it's car events, uh, getting together for the car, car shows, uh, drives, rides, etc. I'm I'm kind of impressed. So it sounds like they put on a good show. And, oh boy, we got two brave souls here. Scott put his phone number on 913-558-6781 or Joe, 913-207-1422. Call hey Joe, for more information. where are you going to go with that beard, your hand? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, also, same weekend, August 24th through the 26th, I put this on here just oh, for you. Hey. Hometown show, Branson, Missouri, uh, uh. the 11th annual Sleds Midwest. Uh, dedicated to pre-69 customs and rods. Door prizes, the damn cruise. Oh, dude, the damn cruise. Let me just say something real quick about the dam. When I was a kid, um, grew up in Branson, we would go out to the dam and we, oh, well, we, we called it the landing strip because it's, you know, it's 1 a.m. And it's dark as all get out back then. I don't know now they've got, you know, things called street lights. Uh-huh. But back then it was just pitch black. You turn off your headlights and you go flying across the dam and there's all these little lights that are right down next to the road and they just go <laughs> by and it's like you're on a landing strip. You're just <laughs> now the trick was to be able to hit the brakes and turn your lights back on before that sharp corner at <laughs> the other end. <laughs> so, uh, you sounds, know, when you're young, you, you're going to live forever. Sounds real smart. Good times. So this is uh, August 24th, 26th. Yeah. And they've got a Friday night feast, toy show and swap meet, movie night, shopping tours, lots of stuff to do for more information on that one www.sledsmidwest.com uh september 2nd Merriam, kansas fifth annual pistons and pinups sounds like something we need to hit at i'm the liking bu- it at the boulevard drive-in uh one oh, i love the five one Merriam lane six six one oh three love the boulevard drive-in it's just it's stepping back in time. You know, that's that where um, uh, Greaserama used to do theirs, but they got so big, they would fill the entire thing with the custom rods and cars and didn't have enough room for all the other ones that were coming in. Good indication how big Greaserama's gotten. Make sure you hit that one, too. It was so fun watching those movies. Cool place. Uh, on, the, on the Pistons and Pinups, show setup's 1 o'clock, show opens at 2.30. Uh, says enjoy the show, stay for the movies. Pre-registration twenty five dollars includes a pair of full day spectator passes. Pre-register at www.rustymetalproductions.com. That's what you were talking about. Uh, day of event registration is thirty dollars, so make sure you do it early. It looks like they're going to have pinstriping by Ripley's Old School Pinstriping. And the last one, one I really wanted to mention because I think this is a a great uh, charity. October 20th, you got a little ways to plan for this, Shawnee, Kansas, the ninth annual Special Olympics Car Show Theater in the Park at nice. Shawnee Mission Park, 7710 Renner Road, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., free to spectators, advanced registration is only $20, day of the event is 25 there's a 50-50 raffle, and I'm sure lots more to do. For information, register at www.jc prd.com forward slash cars in the park and october 20th it might be down to about 85 degrees outside so it'll oh, be nice good lord yeah that is, <laughs> may be able to wear jeans by october 20th cool places to go exit lane live if you have places that you know of feel free to give us an email send us an email at driver at 
uh, roadmuscleradio.com, driver at roadmuscleradio.com. I found a story that I thought was really kind of cool and just stumbled across it. I love Aerosmith, right? American Pickers, which is kind of a fun show, found Aerosmith's original international Metro Tour van. You're kidding. It's a 1964 International Harvester Metro van. So imagine this kind of thing with a cutoff front, but a little slanty. It's got that kind of cool looking grill in front. It looks old as the Dickens. They it found, looks like a loaf of bread with wheels on it. Yeah, isn't it awesome? It is a big, big, fat, ugly car and vehicle, and I love it. The interesting thing that was about it, they they driven it around in the 70s. They were doing gigs out of this thing in the very, very early 70s when Aerosmith was just becoming Aerosmith before the 80s, and they got stupid. Uh, but I still love them. But, Absolutely. oh, the 80s was not kind to a lot of classic rockers. However, uh, they were driving around in this thing, and then they finally uh, parked it apparently just out in the woods. And a guy, you know, it's— And it, look at that. It looks— decade, like- Oh, yeah. It, it, did not, it did not do well out there. But some dude um, found the land. The land went for sale. And as he was walking around, he's like, wait a minute. What is that? So, bam, he bought the land. He pulled the vehicle out, and then he sent off uh, emails to original members of Aerosmith, one of which who came out, took a look at it. And confirmed. Confirmed that, yeah, this is the one we rolled in. I mean, that thing, it's this kind of nasty look off at the green. Picture. Is, that, is that Gallagher painted on the side of this thing? Oh, it's got kind of a keep on trucking looking guy, but he's bald, but with long hair and a stripy shirt. I'm guessing he wasn't always bald. That's probably just the paint's worn off. Yeah, it's like a, it's the Gallagher van. You're going to open the back and find a sledgematic and a bunch of watermelons. It's like you're looking for where's Waldo's uncle, <laughs> where's Uncle Steve. So uh, it's the coolest looking thing. And the the uh, the other cool part about it, uh, the two guys from Pickers came out. They looked at it. The dude sold it to him. Really, twenty five thousand dollars he got for that that amount of rust. Wow. But it's the history that's involved in it. And, you know, we can all keep our fingers crossed, oh. hoping that uh, the dudes from American Pickers will, will redo it. You oh, know, bring I, it back I up hope to par. they do. That's really cool. I'd love to see that thing when it was finished. And could you imagine the amount of sound? You put some speakers in there and then you can take your fishing Well, gear. you got to get a picture of, <laughs> of Steven Tyler and that. That is fantastic. <laughs> well, we're out of time. This has been, oh, this has been a fun show. It the, flew by, didn't it? Oh, dude, there's so much news going on out with cars, uh, new and used. Uh, Jack Wallace, owner of Vintage Vets in Kansas City. We want to thank him so much for coming on the show. Jack, thank and, you a ton for being on. We really had a great time. And it's kind of fun to watch you in your element because you're just like, oh, yeah, you're nodding. You know everything that he's talking about. And I'm bringing up stupid 67 <laughs> split. Oh, well, it's, I learned. It's okay. It's I okay. You. You're, you're picking it up. That's what I'm all about. And we want to thank you for joining us, for listening. And we'll see you next time on Road Muscle Radio. Bye-bye.